Praise God. We fool around and have camp meeting on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? That'd be all right. Praise God. Great job tonight. Appreciate y'all um, being here and singing, leading us into the presence of the Lord and worship of the Lord tonight. Open your Bibles with me. If you have your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 11, book of Luke chapter 11, I'm going to read verse number 1 for our central text for tonight, for what we are studying, what we're talking about. Last Wednesday night, if you were here, if you were here and you remember, we began talking about, um, about prayer and the theme, the subject, Lord, Teach us to pray. Um, I believe that prayer is such an important thing, um, such an important element in the life of every believer, and uh, that we as, as believers cannot be and will not be successful in fulfilling God's purpose for our lives unless we are men and women of prayer. We have to be people of prayer. We have to have a proper prayer life. And so I think it's important that we, number one, are, are encouraged to pray and that we're stirred up to pray and stirred to prayer. But I think it's also important that we understand what, how important prayer is, what prayer will do for us. And I think it's important that we know how to pray because there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. And that's why the disciples asked the Lord in uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says this, that it came to pass as he, speaking of Jesus, as Jesus was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. That needs to be our prayer tonight. Lord, teach us here at Abundant Life Family Church to pray. Teach us to pray, number one, and teach us how to do it right, number two. And so anytime the Lord teaches us anything, He will always teach us. There's a, the only way He teaches us is through His Word, by the Holy Spirit and through His Word. And so we need to, to know how, we should know, we must know how to have a proper prayer life, to learn how to pray properly. And uh, the Bible, the Word of God, is the handbook. If you, you know, and, I, and I mentioned this last, last week, I've read a lot of books on prayer uh, in my lifetime. Uh, I've, I've read some of the old the old. You know, I, I made this statement not here a while back. I, I like to read after the dead guys, the guys from a hundred years ago, because what they wrote and what they taught blesses me. And I've I've read books, you know, on prayer from uh, by E.M. Bounds, who was a, a giant in prayer and in the teaching on prayer, and Samuel Chadwick, and just many others that that. Um, that taught about prayer. R.A. Torrey was another one that taught a lot about prayer. And so, um, but you know, when it comes down to it, the, we can read all the books we want to on prayer, and that, that's good and that's helpful and that's beneficial. But just reading about prayer 
isn't going to do us any good if we don't pray. Amen. Just like, you know, just like I said last week, you can study and you can read how and learn to learn how to drive a car. But unless you get in that car and, 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 and get behind the wheel, you're never going to learn anything about it unless you're actually doing it. So the best way to learn how to pray is get instruction from the handbook on prayer and then put that into practice and just get in your prayer closet and get alone with the Lord, with your heavenly Father, and commune with Him and fellowship with Him and pray. Amen? But I want, you know, I want my prayer life to be successful. I know you do too. We want to get results and see results when we pray. Is everybody in agreement on that? Because prayer is not just something that you use as a spare tire on a car. Prayer should be the steering wheel of your life, not the spare tire of your life. And so many people, prayer is not their steering wheel. It's not guiding them. It's not directing them. But prayer is just a spare tire. It's just something that's there in case of an emergency. Come on, somebody. And that's not what prayer is supposed to be. Prayer is supposed to be and should be a daily, a daily communication uh, with our Heavenly Father. Amen. And so the Word of God gives us the teachings on prayer, and the Word of God is our handbook, and everything that we need to know, everything that you and I need to know about prayer and about being effective in prayer is going to be found right here in the Word of God. So we're looking at some of the things that Jesus taught about prayer and what the Bible teaches about, about new covenant prayer or prayer under the new covenant. We're, under, we're, we're not under the old economy anymore. We're not under that Old Testament. We're not, we're, not living under, we're not living under the law anymore. We've been redeemed from that, delivered from that. Jesus came and he, he came and fulfilled the law. Amen. Every part of it, He fulfilled it. And so when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, Jesus instituted a new covenant. He instituted that, you know, there in, the, uh, in that upper room when he had that last supper with his disciples. And he, he, ch he changed the Old Testament Passover to the New Testament communion. And he broke the bread and said, take and eat this bread. This is, this is my body that's broken, that's given for you. He gave them the cup, said, drink of this. This is the blood of the new covenant that I'm going to shed for you. And so he instituted the new covenant when he died and rose again. So we're under the New Testament. We're under the new covenant. Not saying, you know, we're not saying that, that, there's, there's, that the Old Testament, we throw that out. We don't throw that out. Man, the types and the shadows, everything in there, everything in there, Jesus fulfilled and was types and shadows of the Lord. But what I am saying is if we want to learn how to pray and learn how to pray correctly, we have to understand our rights. We have to understand the benefits that we have now under the new covenant that is so much better. Come on, somebody say better. It's so much better under the new covenant now in Christ than what they had it under that old covenant. Amen. Praise God, we have the name of Jesus, we have the blood of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, which they did not have then. And so we're living in that new covenant. You can get last week's um, CD, and we, we talked a lot about that. 
But, uh, but the very first thing that we mentioned and talked about last week um, that Jesus had to say about prayer and one of the most important factors, and we're talking about, we're talking about to begin this series on prayer, and I don't know how long it's going to go. I drove back from, uh, we're on a camping trip, and I drove back to teach tonight because I felt it important for me to continue what I started last week. Because, I listen, I believe in prayer, and I believe that we must be a church and a people of prayer. Come on, somebody. Amen. So Jesus, in John 16, if you want to go there, John 16 and verse number 23 and 24. Here's what Jesus said about prayer. And we're talking about five important factors about New Testament prayer, New Covenant prayer. And the first one we mentioned, and I'm not going to preach this again. Like I said, you can get the CD from last week, but I want to just review this a little bit. But, but the, the first factor is this, that when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 16, 23, he said this, and he's talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross, before his death, before his resurrection, and he says this, in that day, now that day being what? The day after he dies and resurrection, the new covenant comes into force. In that day, the day that you and I are living in right now today, in this day, okay? So Jesus is talking about today. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Under the old covenant, prayer was not offered in the name of Jesus under the old, uh, under the old covenant. So that's a big difference that we, that, that, we're, that we experience now under the New Testament and New Testament prayer because prayer is offered to the Father which shows that there's a relationship there now. He's our Heavenly Father. See, to the world, He's God. But to the church, He's Father. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So there's a relationship now. And so, it, so, so now our requests, our prayers are taken to the Father and they're, given, they're, they're, they're made in the name of Jesus. We enter the presence of God. We come before the Lord in the name of Jesus. Because now, see, Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is our advocate. And He is our Lord. He's the one that stands between us, that is, that is between us us and God. He's the, Jesus is the only access to the Father. You can't get to the Father unless you go through the Son. Amen? Anybody that tries to bypass Jesus is not going to get to the Father. Now, so Jesus said, in that day you ask me nothing. In other words, you don't pray directly to me. Now, I tried to clarify this to you last week. I, I said this, it's, it's perfectly all right to fellowship with Jesus, to worship Jesus, to praise Jesus, to tell Him how much you appreciate Him, how much you love Him, to, to just praise Him and worship Him and commune with, with Him. That's fine because He is God. You can worship Jesus because He's God the Son. Come on, He's deity. 
But when it comes, Jesus said, when it comes to asking something that you need in your life, He said, in that day you'll not pray to me, but whatever you ask the Father, you ask it of the Father and you ask it in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Praise God. Man, I'm telling you, that's awesome, isn't it? Woo, what a promise that is. That's just, you know, that's, that's worth, the, worth the price of admission. You coming in tonight. Praise God just to get that. But, but that is, that's a, great, that's a great promise right there. He said that whatever you ask him, and, and we clarified that last week, that, that, that word whatever. He said, you know, whatever you ask him. Now that's predicated on the promise of God. And on the will of God, it has to be, it has to be what, what you're praying for and asking God the Father for in the name of Jesus has to be in line with the will of God for your life. And it needs to be, it must be covered by the promises of God in the Word of God. So anything, when Jesus said whatever, He's, he's saying whatever is promised by the Father in the Word that is His will, then that's okay. Ask for it and He'll give it to you. And we made mention of the fact that there are, you know, when it comes to prayer, so many people end every prayer with, Lord, do this or do that, and I need this, I, I this, but do this if it be your will. And every prayer is not to be an if it be your will prayer. Somebody said, well, Jesus prayed that way. Yes, He did. In the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed that way. But He was not trying to change something. He was not trying to get uh, uh, something, from, what, something from God to, to do in His life. What Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane was a prayer of consecration and dedication. Jesus was praying there and He said, Lord, you know, if there's any other way, and there wasn't any other way. If there's any other way that, that you know, that I can, that, 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 you know, let your will be done. But then, you know, he said, I, not my will. That, that was that consecration, see. Not your will. If it's your will for any, if any other way, but, but not my will, but your will be done. So we'll talk about that later on. But, but, but when it comes to praying for something that you know is the will of God, you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will. We know it's the will of God. God to save people, isn't that right? We know it's the will of God for your children and your grandchildren and your family members to be saved, isn't that right? We know that Jesus died for everybody, isn't that right? And he's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. So when you're praying for those family members, you don't have to pray if it be your will. You know it's his will. You can pray, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, move us upon John and move upon Sally and move upon them by your spirit and bring them to into the family of God. And we can believe God will answer those prayers. Praise God. So when it comes to salvation, when it comes to our financial needs and, and our, the needs and the necessities of life, when it comes to the healing of our body, we have the promises of God that it is the will of God. And there may be other things that you'll have to seek God to find His will about. Amen? You can't just claim 
somebody as your husband or wife. You better do some praying. Find out the will of God about that thing. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Woo, hallelujah. I better move on. <laughs> Amen. You can't claim somebody, especially if it's somebody else's husband or wife. You definitely can't be claiming that. Praise God. Amen. But praying to the Father in the name of Jesus gives us access. The name of Jesus gives us access. The name of Jesus is not just a magic wand that we wave around. It's not just like a rabbit's foot that we carry around like a lucky charm or something. The name of Jesus has been given to us and we've been given the right and the privilege and the power of attorney. The legal term would be the power of attorney to act to, to use His name to act in His stead. So when you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, it's just, here's the way God looks at it, it's just as if Jesus Himself were praying and asking that petition because you're, you're, you're standing in His stead. You're using, you have the right to use His name. And He is your mediator and He is your intercessor. So when you pray, He's there at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you. So you know, praise God, you know that you got the ear of God when you come into that, to the presence of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Devils will try to stop that prayer from being answered. Demons will try to cause you to, to doubt that it's going to be answered, but you just continue to use the name of Jesus in prayer. You have the right and the authority. So Jesus said, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Then He said, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Amen. That your joy may be full. So we know that, full, that, that joy is the benefit. When, when, the, when the prayer's been answered and the need's been met and you see it answered, then joy is, your joy is full. Amen. Sister Charlotte had to testify tonight. She's got some joy about what God has done in that situation for her friends. So there's joy there. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. All right. So we could go on about that. I could preach a little while about that, but, but amen. But, but God wants you, God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to. It's, it's not like he's standing up there in heaven or sitting on his throne in heaven saying, with his arms folded, saying, well, just see if you can talk me into it. I don't really want to do it, but just see if you can. That's not the way it is. He's a kind, loving, heavenly father. And Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to them that ask him, that ask him, that ask him. Amen. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's the very first important factor about prayer. So secondly, here's number two. Here's the second important factor about New Testament prayer. And here's where, here's where the rubber meets the road, and here's where we have an issue many times. And that's, that is this. Secondly, when you pray, you have to believe that you receive the answer. 
when you pray. Go to Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. These again, here again is the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. I think everybody probably knows this verse and you could probably quote this verse. But it's a powerful, powerful, powerful verse of Scripture. Jesus said this, Therefore, I say to you, whatever, and there's that word whatever again, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let's look at that again. Whatever, and this is Jesus, He said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So there's one, two, three, four, five times in that one verse, Jesus uses the personal pronoun, you. So now, this is not praying for somebody else. This is you praying for something that you need in your life. Are, are you with me? I can't pray this and, and make, I can, listen, when it comes to you, just say, Brother Jim's got a need. I can pray for him and intercede for him, but when it comes to this right here, I've got to have him in agreement. We've got to be in agreement. I can't believe God for him for God to do something in somebody else's life that that they're not believing that's going to happen anyway it just don't work like that. Amen. There's another kind of prayer for that. It's called intercession. Amen. And so we'll get into that later on. But this is talking about, Jesus right here is talking about things that you need in your life, your personal situation, something that you need the Father God to do for you. And so he said that whatever you need, when, when whatever things you ask, the King James says, what's, what things, this is the new King James. King James says, what things soever you desire or ask when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now let's, let's break this down and look at this a little bit because this is an awesome verse. This is such an awesome verse of Scripture because it tells us that there's an element in prayer that has to be there and that is faith and that is believing that God is working in your behalf. So what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying that when you pray for something, you have to believe that God is at work right then, right at that very moment. When did he say for you to believe? So when you get it or when you see it or when the situation starts to look better? No. He said you've got to believe this when you pray, when you're praying. So you've got to believe that God is working on your behalf that very moment you pray. And Jesus said that you will have them. What's the them? What's the them? The them is those things, those things that you have asked for in prayer. Jesus said that you will have them. Now there again, he didn't say might or maybe. He said if you do this like the Father said, again, it's predicated on you asking according to the promise and according to the will of God. You can't just ask God for anything and everything. You know what I'm saying. It has to be according to the promise and according to the will of God. But he said, 
said that you will have them after you believe that you receive them when you pray. Not after you get it, but at the moment you pray. So after you have prayed for something and prayed in faith, then you have to believe that God has heard you. You have to believe that He's answered you. And you have to continue to believe and thank God and praise God for the answer and the fact that He's heard you and He is answering your prayer. Amen. You remind Him of His Word and you begin to thank Him in faith that He is working on your behalf. And see, here's the thing. If you and I really believe that He's heard us and we really believe that He's granted our requests when we prayed, then you couldn't help but thank Him. Praise God. You couldn't help but thank Him for the answer. Well, I ain't seen it yet. I don't have it yet. Jesus said that the will have comes in the future, but the believing comes in the present. Hallelujah. Amen. See, I'm not making this up. Jesus said this. It's one of those things, well, that just seems too good to be true. Well, you try, you try it then and see how easy it is to believe that God's answered when you ain't seeing it yet. Because that's where the battle comes in. That's where the fight of faith comes in. Because the devil comes and says, well, you ain't got it yet. Maybe the circumstance is even looking worse. Well, look at there. Things are getting worse. And you know where we mess up? That's, that's where we mess up. We said, well, things are getting worse. Yeah. I prayed, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen if they, everything's just falling apart. Everything's getting worse. How many know? I know none of y'all has ever done that. Come on. But then we kind of undo our prayers that way, you know. And then we have to go back. We have to repent. We have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm, I, I listen to the devil. But I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. You know the need, Lord. And I know you've promised. And I'm believing you. And I'm just praising you and thanking you that you heard me. And you're, you're, you're answering that prayer. You heard me and answered. So you can't help but thank him. You remember when, when, um, when Jesus... Raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember that. And I mean, he waits four days. The word comes to Bethany uh, uh, or to, uh, where was Jesus? I don't remember where he was at. But anyway, the word gets to, comes from Bethany to Jesus, wherever he was. And he was, a, a, you know, a few miles away. And so Mary and Martha think, well, Jesus is going to come right away. And he's going to heal Lazarus. And he, everything's going to be okay because he loves Lazarus. And so they sent the word, oh, Lord. Him who thou lovest is sick. And Jesus didn't show up. And Lazarus got worse, and Lazarus died, and they buried him. And it was four days that he was in the grave. And you all know that story. And uh, Jesus shows up there on the fourth day. And, of course, Mary and Martha both, you know, they're blaming Jesus. They said, well, you should have been here. You wasn't here. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus told them, said, listen, if you'll believe you'll see the glory of God. Now see, there's the process. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. We want to see the glory of God. Then we'll, then we believe, then we'll say, well, we'll believe it. But Jesus said, you've got you to believe it first. But you remember when Jesus went to the tomb and he told him, said, roll the stone away. 
And, and, and was it Mary or Martha, one of them, she said, well, Lord, by now he stinks. He's been dead four days. You, don't, you probably don't want to roll that stone away. And Jesus told her, didn't I tell you if you'd believe you'd see the glory of God? And then, then it says this in John eleven forty one and 42. It says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus, look at this. Now Lazarus is still dead. Lazarus is still in the tomb. He's laying in there stinking. Come on, somebody. The stone's been rolled away. And, the, and, and Jesus, it says, lifted up his eyes. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Oh, glory to God. Somebody ought to get a little excited. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. But notice what Jesus did. Before he had already, Jesus had already prayed about this situation, and he knew what God was going to do, and he in faith lifts his eyes toward heaven, and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Listen, church, uh, and, and that you hear me always. Well, I'm convinced that if you and I, if we would begin to thank God and to praise God for those things that we'd have asked him for, to do for us in our lives, that we would see a lot more results and a lot greater results and more answers to our prayers because that's one of the keys. Jesus is saying you got to believe that you receive when you pray and if you believe that you receive when you pray, you shall have. Amen. The believing's present tense, the having is future tense. Is, is, that, is that what Jesus said? Amen. Amen. Let me give you an Old Testament example. Of course, in the Old Testament, they weren't praying in the name of Jesus to the Father in the name of Jesus. But Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, was making some intercession. He was praying for a certain situation. He had, he, had, he had saw from the prophecies of Jeremiah that it was 70 years that it was prophesied that Israel would be in Babylonian captivity. And so Daniel, or Daniel sees from those prophecies and he counts it up and he knows that it's about time for God to get them out of Babylon. So he begins to pray and he begins to seek the Lord in Jan Daniel chapter 10. And he goes on a fast and he eats no pleasant bread and he just drinks water only and people talk about it, call it a Daniel fast. It was kind of a partial fast that he was on. But for 21 days he prayed. How many remember this? For 21 days, for three weeks he humbled himself, he prayed, he was seeking God about this situation. And on the 21st day, um, the, the Lord, after 21 days, the Lord sent an angel to Daniel with the answer to his prayer. What if Daniel had given up on the 20th day? You know, but I mean, he continues to hold on to the Lord and continues to pray. But notice, the, the angel came and, and gives Daniel this answer. And, and he says this in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Um, he said this. This is what the angel said to Daniel when he came with the answer. He said, do not fear, Daniel, for from, look at this, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your word. Do you see what the angel was saying? 
He was sent with the answer the very first day that Daniel prayed. But there was some um, principalities. The prince of Persia was uh, the prince of Persia, the prince of Grecia, um, were principalities, um, powers of darkness, that there was some spiritual conflict going on that was trying to hinder the angel from coming through with the answer. But the point that I want to make is the angel finally did get through on that 21st day, but the Lord heard Daniel the very first day. And the Lord answered Daniel the very first day. There was a time frame that took place from the time the answer was, was granted and the answer was sent until it actually got to him. But the point is, that's what Jesus was saying in Mark eleven twenty four. You believe that God answers when you pray. You believe that He has done it. I mean, there may be a time, there may be a time element between the time that you pray and the time that it happens. But God, if you've, if you've asked Him in the name of Jesus, as we've already said, as we've already established that Jesus said, and it's the will of God and it's based on the promise of God, God answers your prayer that first day. Glory to God. Woo! So we don't want to undo our prayers after that by, by going around and wringing our hands and saying, well, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I don't know if God's answered or not. You all better help. Come on and pray with me because I don't know if God's heard me. It's okay to get people to agree with you. It's okay to get people to believe and pray with you. But for heaven's sakes, do what Jesus said and believe that God has heard you when you pray and believe that He has answered you. Amen. Woo! And begin to thank him and begin to praise him for the answer. You know, when Paul and Silas was in jail, it said that they were they that they at midnight they prayed and sang praises unto God. I don't know, it doesn't say what they prayed for, but I have a notion. Can I tell you what, what I think it was? I got a notion that they was praying to get out of that place. <laughs> Amen. But it said that they prayed, and then what they do? Then they begin to praise. They begin, oh, praise is such an important part of our prayer life to be able to praise and to be able to thank the Lord that He's heard and He's answered. Even before, even when the devil's screaming in your ear saying, God's not going to do it, God's not going to answer, you can lift your hands just like Jesus did and say, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you have answered me. I thank you that you have done it. Hallelujah. Woo! Because the answer's on the way. That old song, what is it? We used to sing years and years ago. The answer's on the way. This I know. Jesus said it. I believe it. And it's so. Your heavenly Father knows your need before you pray. You can rest assured the answer's on the way. Anybody know that song, old song? I what? Nobody ever heard it. I'm dating myself. We just sang it down Cape all the time. Well, glory. See, Vicky's way off down camp, and I can sing tonight when I preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus said, believe you receive when you pray. Why? Because that's when God gives the answer. 
when you pray. You know, <laughs> we're creatures of time, aren't we? But you know that to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. So, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no time to God. So God's saying it's done in the spirit realm, but it just takes a while for the answer, the manifestation to take place. So in that process, we're continuing to believe and give thanks and give praise to God. And so um, that's what you have to do. Just keep on believing, keep on praising, keep on thanking, keep on reminding Him. And Isaiah talked about those that God said were His remembrancers. And then he told Isaiah in one place, he said, to Isaiah said, he said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. What's he saying? You know, somebody said, well, God knows what he said. Yeah, God knows what he said. God knows every word that he said in this book, but he wants you to know it. He knows every promise that he's ever made, but he wants you to know it. And one of the, one of the things that he that I believe thrills the heart of the Father is when you take His promises before Him in prayer and remind Him of this, Lord, this is what you said. Not that you're, you're not trying to use the Word of God to twist God's arm. That don't work. You're not trying to use the Word of God to manipulate God. That don't work. But you're reminding Him, Lord, here's what you said. You know, just like your kids, you know, you make a promise to your kids, if you're good and clean your room, we'll go to Dairy Queen. You know, huh? Get you an ice cream, and they do it, and they get it all done, then they come in there. What do they do? They remind you. Hey, Dad, hey, Mom, remember what you said? Do you remember what you said? Well, what'd I say? Well, you said that if I'd clean my room or if I'd take out the trash or whatever, you'd take me to Dairy Queen and get me a dilly ball or blizzard or something. And uh, that's what you said, so I'm ready for it. Well, see, that's, that's all we're supposed to do with the Lord. We remind Him of what He said. You know, uh, remind Him of His promises. You, you remember in Acts chapter 4, after the persecution, and they were threatened not to preach in the name of Jesus. And the disciples, or was it Peter and John, went back to the, to the rest of the church, and they, they reported to them about the threatenings and what they'd been threatened with. And it said that they begin to lift up their voice with one accord, and they all begin to pray. The church begin to pray. And if you'll read that prayer, and I'm not going to take time to go there, but you go to Acts chapter 4 and read that prayer. And they begin by, say, by, by reminding God. They, they actually quoted the second psalm in that prayer. And they said, Lord, this is, this is what you said in the second psalm, you know. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And then they said, behold their threatenings, Lord, and grant to thy servants that, that we would, would be able to speak the word of God with all boldness. And God answered that prayer immediately right there. And filled, the place was shaken and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And they went out of there speaking and preaching the word of God with boldness. What's the point? The point is, listen. Remind him of what he said to you. Remind him of the promise. And then stand upon the word of God and believe him and continue to give him praise and thanksgiving for the answer. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. In Romans chapter 4, and I'm closing. Romans chapter 4. And I've brought this out before, but I want to I go there again tonight. Verse number 20. And it gives... 
the example, Paul does, of Abraham in Romans 4 and 20. When Abraham was promised a son, when it didn't look like Abraham and Sarah were going to have a son, they're past the age. They're at, Abraham's 100 years old, Sarah's 90. And yet the promise of God is there that God's going to give them a son. And the Bible says in Romans 4 and 20, less before 19, it says, And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, which was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was, notice this, but was strong in faith, doing what? giving glory to God. Hallelujah. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. So there you go. See, that's what strong faith does. Before they saw the answer come to pass, he was given glory and praise to God because he had the promise that God said, you're going to have a son. Praise God. It looked impossible, but listen, you got to praise him and give glory to him even when it doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. Amen. <clears throat> Peter said this in 1 Peter 1 and 8. Before I read that, let me read that, that Romans 4.20 from the Amplified. It says this, No unbelief or distrust made him to waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he, but Abraham grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. He was, he was strengthened in his faith and empowered in his faith as he continued to give praise to God. Can you see what Abraham was doing? Yes. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you and praise you for the son that, you're, that you've promised us that we're going to have. And the devil says, you're a hundred. You can't have kids. And Abraham considered not his own body, that he was a hundred. He considered not. Sarah was 90. Amen. Hallelujah. But, but he just kept giving glory to God. Father God, thank you. I know it may look impossible, but this is what you promised. Hallelujah. And I give you praise. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise that it's going to happen. And as he continued to praise and give God glory, his faith was strengthened and empowered, and he grew strong in faith. You want to be strong in faith tonight? You want to be strong in prayer tonight? Amen. Well, then do what Jesus Jesus said, and believe that you receive when you pray and begin to thank God for the answer. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Amen. Pro Philippians 4, you know, 4, 6. He said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The thanking part is an important part. 
Amen. I mean, Brother Giles, if he'd come up here tonight and said, God told me to give you my truck. <laughs> and he had the title and signed it over and said, here it is, it's yours. Well, you know what I would do? I would say, man, thank you, Giles. I ain't seen the truck yet. I ain't drove the truck yet, but I'm going on his word. Amen. You don't, I'm just using it. You don't, don't take me serious. Or <laughs> Amen. Are you, are you getting, my, you getting my, my point? I'm trying to, I'm not, I'll probably be laboring it, but I'm just trying to get the point across. Amen. Worship team, come on back. Let's sing something. Amen. First Peter 1 and 8, Peter said this. Speaking of the Lord, he said, He said, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, even though you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable 